Well, welcome to the uh, next edition of Speaking Out America. My name is JR, Jim Watkins, known to my friends. And uh, we'll try to work through this. But the reality is, is that I've been sick now for a week with a government-induced bioweapon that seems to be ravaging my entire body from head to toe. Uh, Fog, you've been there. I just read a... Finally read an article over the weekend from CNN that actually resembled something of the truth because, you know, I had been noticing then in a a lot of occasions talking to people who have known somebody who's come down with COVID recently, you know, five, six people. I mean, it seemed like every other person, if if I mentioned, oh, I got COVID. Oh, yeah, I know somebody just got COVID. And then, you know, I was with a lot of time to sit around and wait for the pain to go away because, you know, that's what it is. Uh, I did a little news reading and I come to find that there is, in fact, a COVID going around. Why is COVID going around? That's always my first question. Why is COVID going around? You know, what, what's, what, what happened? You know, what, what aren't they telling us? It's, it's, not, it's not consistent. I guess it would be consistent that you would have a die down or a diminishing of cases. And then for some reason, something will spring into action. Who knows? Maybe a cluster. That could very well be clusters of people getting together. And you maybe you have too many people that might have COVID. And so you get kind of a super, what they call a super spreader event. But they're not tracking it anymore. The, the CDC and all these folks, they've moved on. You know, they made their money. They're making their money. They're not even that worried about you getting your booster. I uh, saw a report, should you get your booster? Uh, and I guess the variant that we're dealing with is Omicron XBB. Omicron was, I think, the fifth. That was the one that came out of Africa, Botswana, remember. And the scientist who discovered, I think her name was Dolezal. I may be wrong on that, but she is. Uh, she said she thought it originally might have come from a super spreader event in Belgium, you know, months prior. But again, you know, we all, one thing we learned about COVID is that we can't trust our experts. You know, frankly, I, I didn't even go to the doctors. I, I mean, I've stayed home. I've stayed isolated. But which, what is my doctor going to tell me? Right? What is my doctor going to tell me? You know, the thing is, is that at its core... I'm walking around with something that my government made for me. Fauci and Peter Daychik, Eco Health Alliance, Larry Collins, what's his name? Lawrence Collins, uh, Walensky, all of these people, in my opinion. Well, I can't, I can't say for sure that they did anything intently evil, but what I can say is they've been misguided by their principles. To reverse, I mean, do people don't even realize this is the thing that gets me. And by the way, at least I have a podcast that has a million downloads to back me up. So if somebody says, well, what does this guy know? I know a lot. You want, you want my archives? Coronavirus update podcast. Over a million downloads. Don't tell me. I did my research. Did you? Or were you just spoon fed all the bullshit that they were sending you from you know, Big Pharma at Al. 
you know, the fact is, is this was inflicted on me by my government. Maybe not in complete solidarity. Uh, solidarity. I think they were stupid. Fauci and those people were stupid idiots that they thought that they could somehow get science to work together on some project and let's develop and then reverse engineer so that we can prepare for future outbreaks. The arrogance of this. This man should be ashamed. And the people that he harassed, the McCulloughs of the world, the Malones trying to discredit them. We just talked on Friday about how, um, what happened with the one lady who spoke out, the main woman, the main doctor who dared to prescribe her, her patient ivermectin. And they've been going after her ever since, trying to take her license away. And this is the, the, the fear that enshrouds medicine today. You can't get the truth about anything. If I went in with a side effect from the vaccine, they would refuse. In fact, my doctor did refuse to acknowledge it. Here, take these high blood pressure medication. This will help you. Then I read that this high blood pressure medication, you know what the side effects are? Liver, kidney, kidney, kidney and liver cancer. Thank you. It's like one thing leads to another. Is, it, is there any, you know, wonder that every other commercial on TV now is a pharmaceutical treatment ad for your skin eczema, for your kidneys, for your memory, for your heartbeat, for your toes, for your A1C? I think the number one song right now is that song by Jardians. It's just, it's, and the thing is, I haven't gotten to this yet, but if you're not familiar with NewsGuard, I think it was a week ago Friday, Ben Shapiro uh, won, wrote a great article on Daily Caller. Look up NewsGuard. And they had it on other websites as well. And I, I might have it, but I don't want to look for it. Um, but the point of it is is that NewsGuard is an, organiz an organization that is being set up by a cabal of corporate um, lawyers and let me tell you, you know, one thing corporations have are a lot of lawyers. They can legal anything. They can make anything legal. If they want to turn your, hound, uh, your head brown or, you know, give you three eyeballs, they'll figure out a way to make it legal. Um, and they've created a consortium of people, this NewsGuard organization, which eventually will filter out everywhere. And everything that you see online will be approved or pre-approved by NewsGuard. It is a cabal of international corporations who are deciding what is considered true and what is not considered true. And if you have a differing opinion on anything, whether it's vaccines, whatever it is, if it's not the approved narrative, you will be flagged, throttled, eliminated, canceled. So... You say, well, Jim, you know, you got to be careful, man. You know, a pa pandemic, you don't need some. Well, see, the thing is, when you get to the point where you think it's okay for a small select group who supposedly know better, like the other day, you know, Biden's ta touting how the experts are telling him that climate change is affecting, uh, costing $100 billion. And that's why he's, you know, done something. Well, first of all, he didn't write the text, so that's a lie. But it comes from Joe. So it came from somebody on his staff who wrote it. And second of all, what experts? Yesterday you saw on TV they had uh, just a sort of a side note, but 
uh, up in Juneau, Alaska, which is a liberal city. It's about as liberal as you can get. They have a lake called Mendenhall Lake, and it sits adjunct to a glacier. And the glacier has been retreating for thousands of years. Uh, but they've had some extra rain and uh, in warmer weather, but not any, not that much warmer than any given. I mean, it gets gets up to the low 80s for about a week. Anyway, and, but it also rains a lot in the summer when you've got that wetter moisture precipitation. Point is, uh, is it? A lot of a couple of homes washed away over the weekend. So ABC News said, and climate experts say this could be from global warming or whatever. And when they finally got to the story, it was just some guy who who works probably as a forest ranger making some observation about how this might be related to climate change. That's your expert, some guy that makes thirty dollars an hour in wearing a a national forest shirt. This is what an expert is. But anyway, it's the approved narrative. That's my point. It's the approved narrative. It's the improved, approved. Why do you think all of your news weather people now are telling you how hot it is every single day, how many alerts there are, official alerts, because they're trying to legalize a narrative, a, a specific narrative. Then if you go against that narrative, that narrative doesn't exist. And I don't want to live in that world. But the biggest kicker of all is that a lot of us have accepted COVID. It's just a disease, you know. Uh, they don't pause to think that there were scientists involved, there were political leaders involved who sat down and made a decision that they were going to create something. And they didn't think, oh, well, it will get out and, you know, a million or so people will die and six million or whatever. But we can use this, they say. We can reverse engineer it. And then the next deadly virus that comes out, we'll be able to snap into action. And meanwhile, we're all walking around with this thing in our, that will never get out, spike proteins. They'll never leave your body. Um, and there's still so little information about anything unless it's the approved narrative. And that angers me. And it angers, and it should anger you. The fact that it doesn't anger you should anger you. We're living in a time where the authorities think that they can do better or that they can somehow orchestrate the perfect, harmonious, utopian social landscape. But I'm still walking around with a virus in my body that just wants to keep kicking my ass. And I don't like it. But we have to keep going and we have to keep talking about it. And, and that's what we're going to do. You're listening to Speaking Out America. We'll be right back.
Kevin Stockman writes for the Epic Times. He's a smart guy. He's been following a lot of this woke madness that's taken over our corporations and at the highest levels of government. And this time up, uh, we're going to talk to Kevin about the fact that the Biden administration is hell-bent on forcing an industry, i.e. electric vehicles, um, about $7 million being spent on each job created in the EV industry for a technology that people don't even really want. As you may know, uh, Ford was leading the pack, and they said, you know what, we're losing money. Uh, we can't afford it. It's not sustainable. And so here to sort of break that down as to why EVs is the latest example of uh, energy policy gone mad is Kevin Stockman from the Epic Times. How are you, sir? How, how's everything going for you this summer? Doing well. Doing well. How are you doing? Well, except for the uh, the ongoing shenanigans of our of our uh, executive department, it's just frustrating because, you know, the last time I checked, I think fascism is when the government tells industry what to do, and that's what they're doing here. Uh, and they're doing it because they think that they're somehow uh, battling cl- climate change. There was a, I got a text over the weekend from our good president, Joe Biden, telling me that experts tell him that he needs to spend $100 billion to curb climate change. Who is in charge of this administration? What's driving this green energy decision-making that is just, in my opinion, suicidal? Well, whoever's in charge, that's a bigger question, and I I can't answer that one. But um, the the long and the short of it is that this administration wants Americans to drive electric vehicles for whatever reason, and they're doing it with a carrot and a stick. So, uh, you know, the carrot is uh, hundreds of billions of dollars of bribes to auto companies to build EV assembly plants. Um, and then the stick is the new EPA regulations that are basically set so tight that, and they, of course, only measure uh, emissions at the tailpipe, um, but they are set so tight that they are essentially forcing the auto industry that two-thirds of their fleet will be electric vehicles uh, within the next decade. So these are the measures that are coming down from the administration from really all fronts to force Americans to uh, change their buying habits from internal combustion engines to EVs. The, um, the, the only model that I see that kind of worked was Tesla, and I'm not even sure if that's an accurate statement. But it seems to me that a lot of, a lot of companies are realizing that these ESG standards are not sustainable. And you're, you're an ex-financial uh, investor. Maybe you still are an investor. You know that a free market based on capitalism can't sustain itself if you're losing money. So is this something that we're going to be stuck with even after the administration is long gone, these uh, these EPA well, standards? Yeah, I mean, so if you're a CEO of an automaker, um, you have three major concerns with this policy. The first is that the demand does not seem to be there. So EVs are are generally about you know six to nine percent of the market. It's a niche market. It's for people that live near cities and they can charge these vehicles in their home and they drive about a half hour a day or something like that. Um, it is not a wide uh, a widespread market. And what we're seeing is that these cars are now EVs are now getting backed up on dealer lots. Their inventories are swelling. Uh, People are not buying these cars either because they don't trust them or they can't afford them or both. So there's a demand issue. There's also a supply issue for automakers. So to build an EV, one EV battery, you need to move about 250 tons of earth in places like Africa and South America to get the lithium and the cobalt and everything else. You need to make these batteries 
Then you shift another 50 tons to China where it all gets refined, and then you ship it back to the U.S. where it gets assembled. And by the time you do that, uh, the car comes with what's called a carbon debt that emits so much CO2 to make the thing that it will take six to eight years of driving before it breaks even with an internal combustion engine as far as emissions. But for automakers, the concern is, can we even source enough of these minerals? Because it all requires strip mining, and there just isn't enough of it to feed that kind of demand. And then the third issue that they're facing is once these things get on the road, of course, the EPA only measures emissions at the tailpipe, and EVs don't emit anything, but you have to charge them, and that requires CO2. It requires electricity, and our electric grid is nowhere near set up to handle that kind of additional demand. One EV uh, requires about as much electricity as two and a half um, home air conditioning units, which currently is the peak demand for electricity in the U.S. I saw a funny meme over the weekend. Somebody said, if you're going to buy an electric vehicle, you, you should be forced to use renewables to charge the battery. And of course, you know, that's not sustainable because you're sitting at a, you'll be sitting at a gas station for three, four hours. <laughs> Well, this is this is this is the frustrating thing about industrial policy. They're not even achieving a reduction in CO2 emissions. If that was the goal, they're not even achieving that because so much goes into charging and manufacturing these things. Yeah. Well, my son has a Tesla, and it sat in the car during the Ian power outage when we got hit by a hurricane. Uh, I had a car that ran on ran on fossil fuels. I went to the gas station to get fossil fuels to drive my electric generator or my gas power generator so that my son could have his car charged. I think there's some irony there. Um, Kevin, <laughs> what what is the thing with the kids in Africa like uh, Congo? These There's hundreds of thousands of kids who are digging for cobalt. How come we don't ever hear about that? Is this... Well, it just doesn't fit the narrative. But um, you know, these are these are mines. They're called artisanal mines, and they use you know effectively slave labor and child labor to dig in the dirt and and get this cobalt out. And the other thing that people don't realize, it's not just you know that's a horrible practice. Um, and then the CO two emissions that come from actually mining all that. But then also you have rivers that have been polluted. Um, you have air pollution, and you have toxic waste that comes out of them. And they just you know, wipe out areas, acres and acres of pristine land, which hurts wildlife. So there's nothing really about this that's good for the environment. And I think if they would be honest with the American people about what it takes to actually produce an EV, um, then let Americans make the choice of which environmental policies they think are the best, what's best for the environment in their minds. But there's no choice that's offered. It's basically trying to force everyone to switch to EV technology. Are there any renewable technologies that, that you see that do have some kind of possibility, solar, anything like that? Well, uh, you know, you have the same issue with solar and with wind. So, again, it all requires minerals to be mined for the wind turbines, for the solar panels, and that all goes through China. And it's the same thing. If we were serious, if we actually uh, all would say, okay, reducing CO2 emissions is a worthy goal, we would shift to nuclear. That is the, as far as CO2 emissions, that is by far the cleanest energy that there is. But there's no movement to do that. And so to my mind, this makes me question what actually is the goal of all of this? It sounds to me like it's, you know, let's take a look at the Paris Accord. So here you have this humongous internationally attended group of, of countries that have all decided they're going to throw billions and billions of dollars into this organization. Then the organization turns around 
and and works with an individual, let's say Dominican Republic, and they want to build a, a, a wind farm. They then loan the money to the Dominican Republic, money that is taxpayer funded, and then the the host countries, and once they realize that it's not sustainable, they still have to pay back the, the uh, agencies that are charging them for building the wind mantle, uh, the wind panels for the wind, the, the turbines. So it sounds to me like it's a money grab more than anything else. Well, you know, this is the other hallmark of industrial policy. Not only is it hugely wasteful and it, it creates things that people don't want, but insiders tend to get very rich. And that's what we're seeing here with the construction of these EV assembly plants. So as you said, this study that was just done shows that they're spending between 2 and $7 million per job to create a forty to fifty thousand uh, dollar job assembling EVs, so Oof. that money is you know going somewhere and it's not going to the workers. There, you know, the countries that are not following this ideology whatsoever are China and India. You know, they are building out coal plants. Um, you know, at the fastest rate, China is currently the fastest uh, country constructing new coal uh, power plants. So they are not buying into this agenda whatsoever. It's really the U.S. And, and Western Europe that seems to want to do this. You had mentioned uh, that new EPA standards are part of what's driving this, at least the production of, you know, zero emission vehicles. Is this something that can be undone by the next administration, provided that person sees the fallacy of what Biden and his team have been doing? Is it going to be undoable, or are we stuck with this, or can they reverse the... Um, what's your thought on that? Well, that's... Yeah, so this is the interesting thing. So they have not gotten any legislation passed. Legislation tends to be longer lasting because that's actual laws. Everything that they've done has been handed down through administrative fiat from the EPA, from the Department of Energy, um, and any presidential um, administration can just as easily turn around and reverse that. So, you know, if, big if, you know, there is a change at the top, uh, after the upcoming elections, um, you know, a, a conservative administration would be able to undo a lot of this. Unfortunately, automakers are jumping in on this already. They're investing, you know, billions of dollars into building these plants and, and everything else. But I don't think they're so far along at this point that they, they couldn't reverse this. There will be some loss, but it, it may not be catastrophic for the auto industry. Uh, I would say, you know, another four to six years of this, and you're probably seeing these car makers going down a path that they're going to require a, a bailout, you know, down the road. Of course, and they'll get it because they played along and they were good little foot soldiers. You know, it's out today that Jen Granholm has been meeting privately with Chinese energy makers. That, that can't be good. I just wonder sometimes, you know, is ESG dead or are they still trying to push that? Uh, it sounds to me like BlackRock and others are starting to realize that that's a stupid policy, too. So we are starting to see some pushback here. Uh, what, on the other hand, you know, there are tens of trillions of dollars, our dollars, our investment money that are supporting this industry and the full weight of the Biden administration currently. So I think we're going to see this fight escalating as far as which way it goes. Ultimately, you know, that's going to depend on elections and a lot of other things. Well, I'm sure glad you're keeping an eye on it. Kevin Stockland is from the Epic Times. He is also a film producer, former investment banker, wrote and produced We All Fall Down, The American Mortgage Crisis. That turned out to be a 2008 documentary on the collapse of the U.S. mortgage finance system. Kevin, I look forward to our next conversation and keep up the good work. Likewise. Thank you. And that is the Speaking Out episode for today. We'll see you again tomorrow. Don't forget our archives, speakingoutamerica.com. Thanks for joining us.